Okay, my sloggy kids. Hello. Good evening. And welcome back to another episode of your Daddy Cast. This is not anybody's Daddy Cast. This is your Daddy Cast. Yes, this is your Daddy. And this is the podcast he's doing for you, kiddos. Not somebody else's kiddos. Not somebody else's dog. Not even somebody else's dog's kids. Or kids' dogs. But, this is your dad doing a podcast for you, Lily Joy. For you, Gideon Paul. For you, Sonia Camille. Ah, you thought I was going to say Chrissy next, didn't you, Chrissy? Chrissy Roro. And, uh, I think there's one more. I'm not sure what. Oh yeah, Garrison. Garrison Walter. This podcast is for you guys. Okay, so, enough of the silliness. Seriously, I love you guys and I miss you. And I really enjoy reading books to you. And I want to read you some more tonight from Ember's End, because it's a great story. So, give me a second here, let me get swapped over to Kindle, and pull up the book I'm looking for. Ember's End, says we're 40% through. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Alright, so where were we last night? We read chapters 22 and 23, and... Uh, there was a lot of hope going on, because even though, what was her name, the old gal, she died while they were talking to her about True Blue, they were really hopeful that they could go find some True Blue and strengthen their warriors, maybe, and maybe even heal their warriors. Emma was really hopeful that that, that there might be that chance. And also that Aunt Joan, who somehow has lived much longer than all the other rabbits, may be able to help them find the true blue. And she was headed towards First Warren as they were discovering all this. So, what happened? Aunt Joan shows up and she's doing great. And, you know, they're talking, and and uh, Emma's just asked. She says, what about true blue, Aunt Joan? Emma asked, what remains of the true blue? And Aunt Joan's face lost its cheerfulness. She frowned and shook her head, and Pickett's heart sank. No, my dear, she said, looking away from Prester Kell. I used the last of that. My little miracle mix on Wilfred Longtreader here. I'm sad to say that there's not another ounce of true blue in the world. Oh, that's not good news, is it? After they had hoped that Aunt Joan was going to tell them, Oh yes, I've got a tractor-trailer load showing up in... 
little two ounce bottles that everybody can carry around with them just like hand sanitizer and they can hit the true blue if they get a wound in battle against Morbin's six waves from the raptors but I don't know if you guys remember what I said chapter 24 was named but listen to this chapter 24 the last dragon keeper I have no idea what that's going to mean for us. But first time I've heard of dragons in Green Ember Book. So we're going to have to figure out what's going on there. So without further ado, chapter 24, The Last Dragon Keeper. Heather froze amid her overflowing joy in finding Smalls and the bright hope in their sudden recovery. A shadow fell, a shadow cast by a dragon. Welcome, young rabbits, the dragon said, stepping closer. Smalls rose and glided coolly between Heather and the dragon. What do you want? The keeper awaits the king. The king's conference with the keeper is long overdue. The dragon gave a slight smile, revealing small, sharp teeth set in a wide, powerful mouth. His split tongue flickered between sentences. Heather winced, and her heart raced. She couldn't speak. She couldn't even scream. Do you mean us harm? Smalls asked, his voice even. If the keeper meant harm, you would have been dead long ago, he replied, stepping closer, stepping closer still, so that the scant light revealed more of his dark form. He was powerful, with short, thick arms and legs, with short, thick arms and legs, and a long, dangerous tail. His head was large and jutted forward, set atop the slope of his strong, forward-leaning torso. Who was it, do you think, has kept you alive these many days of your weakening sleep? You took care of him? Heather asked. The keeper keeps, the dragon replied in his low guttural tones. His laughter had been high and shrieking, but his speaking voice was a rumbling rasp. The keeper kept the rabbit buck alive, cleaned his wound, the keeper did, and made him drink moss draft again and again. Moss draft? Smalls asked. The greenish water. It's more than water, isn't it? Nourishes and slakes. Slakes means it quenches your thirst. Nourishes and slakes. Satisfies and strengthens. Moss draft is life. 
in the tomb. Thank you, Keeper, Small said. I am quite sensible of the kindness you have done me. How may I repay you? The Keeper seeks a conference with the King, the dragon repeated. He has waited. Smalls frowned and looked back at Heather. What is this conference? Smalls asked. We don't understand. Understand more than you show, he muttered, then stepped closer. The keeper's tale is unknown to the rabbits of outside and above. It's unknown to us, Smalls said, and Heather nodded. Truthful, the dragon said, eyes squinting at them in the darkness. The keeper sees it. Will you tell us of the conference? The keeper will tell, pale doe, he said, stepping closer still. He now stood almost close enough to touch them, and Heather fought back revulsion, mingled with fear at his nearness. Shall we sit? Smalls asked, using this gesture to place himself firmly between the keeper and Heather. She sat and took his hand. The keeper shook his head. The keeper will stand to tell it, he said. The weary will sit to hear it. Heather felt such strange mixtures of emotions. She felt so profoundly well and wasn't sure if this was only in comparison to her narrow escape from death so recently or if she really was healthier than ever. Yet her unease grew as the dragon came closer and spoke more. She tried to recall the many dreams where she had seemed to be in this place. Why are we here? It was time and time, and the times before, when the rabbit King Lander, son of Whitson, closed the hatchery of dragons and could not be convinced by his counsel to destroy the living eggs of his enemy. The keeper stretched out an arm and waved his scaly claw across the cavern, indicating the smooth, slick tops of moss-covered eggs. Not stones, eggs covering the majority of the cavern floor in patches. They stretched, in some sections, all the way to the moss-covered rock walls. Some of the walls were supported by well-placed wooden beams. He continued in his rasping, guttural way. So the rabbit king had a conference with the last dragon and laid upon him the charge of guarding the eggs and suffering none to be hatched, except upon his own near passing, so that the next guardian could be trained to take his place and watch over the last of his kind. The last dragon became the first keeper, 
and this solemn occupation has come down to the keeper, to the one who stands before you, the last dragon keeper. The last, Heather asked, then quickly regretted speaking. The keeper smiled, that slight smile once again. The latest, he amended. So then, was another conference promised? After King Lander's first conference with the last dragon? Smalls asked. I... The dragon said, a rumbling grumble in his throat. The keeper comes to it. Oh, by all means, Smalls said, nodding politely. Lander King promised that a conference would follow with each new king. And so over the years, many keepers have met with many kings. And a record of each has come down in our tales. But the rabbits broke their vows and came not again for a long span of years. And the last keeper has never met a king. He has only heard tales of these meetings long ago. He began to doubt if the tales were true. Then came a small white buck into the dragon tomb, and the keeper thought he might be the king at last. But he was near dead, and the keeper was perplexed. The dragon's powerful right claw scraped the scales of his strong jaw, and he smiled. The keeper cleaned the rabbit's wounds and fed him moss draft, doing all he knew from his own lore to cure the weak and wounded buck. I thank you once again, Small said, for preserving my life. The keeper could not save the buck. No, he said, shaking his head only delay his death and prolong his life. It needed the second descent to cure him. Why did you wait to come and greet us? The keeper has waited, done little else but wait, since the days of Lander, he answered, closing his eyes, as if in deep thought. And he waits now for the long-delayed conference. He ended opening his eyes and peering at Smalls with the king. Chapter 25 Darkness and Sight I am not a king, Small said, and Heather nodded. Not a king, Heather echoed, grateful for Small's elusive answer. And I am no queen. I come of common rabbits, of an ordinary family. The truth, 
Somehow, the dragon said, eyes narrowing at Smalls, but not all the truth. Heather looked down. Cunning creature. Raising her head, she went on. The heir of Lander leads the free bucks in revolt against the prey lords even now, and I was with her not long ago. Her name is Emma Jovison, and she is a valiant leader. I wish we were there to fight alongside her. There is war outside, the keeper asked. Yes, Small said, nodding. A long war. I'm certain that's why no king or queen has come to meet you. The rulers of rabbits have been overthrown, and they fight to regain what was lost. Truth, the keeper said, eyes squinting. It is the truth, you say. Of course, Heather said. How came you here? The keeper asked. Stabbed and cast down, Heather said, both of us, he in battle and me by betrayal. My own uncle's thrust pierced me and he kicked me in, leaving me for dead. So none will come for either rabbit, the keeper asked. No, Smalls answered, shaking his head. No one will come for us. Then lost you are indeed, both and forever. There is no way out, except, and unless an outside and above rope, is lowered through the only gate, the gate of light high above. He shook his head. The slick walls slide away, and none can reach the inner peak by climbing. No dragon can, and certainly no rabbit could. Heather felt panic rising, but fought to swallow it down. We are glad to be alive. That's all we need for now. How you have risen up, I cannot tell. But enough talk. The keeper will leave you now and come again tomorrow. Moss draft and rest, little rabbits. Thank you, keeper. Small said. The dragon nodded, then turned and disappeared into the shadows. They were quiet for a long time, holding, oh, excuse me, holding hands in the silence. Finally, Heather leaned on Small's shoulder and turned her face to bury it in his embrace. She felt tremendous affection for him, but this tenderness was so she could whisper close to his ear. 
He's listening, you know. He heard all my story catching you up. I'm afraid he must know who you are. His squeeze told her he understood and agreed. She whispered on, We will have to be careful. I don't trust him, even if he did keep you alive. There's something dishonest at the heart of all his honesty. A hesitation, then another squeeze. Do you disagree? He dipped his head so that it rested next to hers. No, he whispered. I can't see all you can see, but I trust your understanding. So, when I can't see it at all, I trust your sight. She squeezed him in return. They broke apart and Smalls went again to the moss draft pool. She noticed his movements, calm and unhurried, though with soldierly awareness of everything. Dim by the distant pool, she saw him bend and dip the bowl, then stand and walk back her way. The keeper is kind to us, he said, extending the bowl for her. She received it with gratitude, said, Yes, very kind, and drank. A dim rattle in the distance sounded, followed by an extended silence. Smalls returned to the pool and filled the bowl again. Then a rumbling rattle began in the depths of the cavern and ended in a ground-shaking noise of crashing rock. Smalls tilted, dropped the bowl, then ran back to Heather, knees bent, hands steadying on the ground as he reached her. The rumbling stopped, and an eerily silence followed, interrupted only by the occasional small knocks of settling rock. They embraced again. Heather whispered, We have to get out of here. Then they both looked up at the faint light from the gate, impossibly high above. Oh, let me read that again. Then they both looked up as the faint light from the gate, impossibly high above, went out entirely. Chapter 26 is called Eyes to See. Eyes to See. Heather sat in darkness alongside Smalls and tried to ignore the dread welling within. We should sleep while we can, Smalls said. Yes, of course. She lay down on the soft moss and tried to imagine she was safe at home. Past or future home, it didn't matter. She tried to relax her mind and fill it with the happy thoughts of loved ones. But something wasn't right. And she couldn't sleep. Then, when her heart had sunk low, she heard singing. It was Smalls, and his voice filled the cavern, ringing clear in the hollow space. Warm and sweetly he sang, and her anxious heart calmed. I am not made of stone or steel, but I know my way. 
I am only flesh and fur, but so too were flint and fay. So I'll say yes to my call, though my heart's afraid. I will go down this my road until my part is played. I go, I go, and I may die, but I go, I go, for I must try. I cannot now stay, but must find a way. So I go, I go, to leap, to sail, and fly. Heather reached across and took Smalls' hand. Sleep came. She did not dream. Heather woke with a start as the ground shook and the noise of smashing rock thundered through the cavern. Smalls was by her in a moment, standing, arms spread wide behind him. Light from the distant gate aloft made the cavern feel almost bright in comparison with last night's total darkness. She found that her eyes quickly adjusted and she could see the dim cavern almost well. Some rocks dropped from the arched roof of the cavern, a few plopping in the moss draft pool, and a wispy puff of dust wafted across shafts of light high above. The immovable mountain shakes, she said, as the rumbling subsided and silence ensued. But I'm afraid if it shakes more, Smalls replied. We won't see standing stones to bloom we won't see standing stones to blue moss hills, but be crushed, buried, and beyond hope. Don't forget drowned. Right, I had forgotten. We're underwater here inside Forbidden Island. And if this place goes, we can add drowning to the list of grim endings. Thank you, Heather. Anything to keep the mood cheerful, she said, smiling over at him. He smiled back, then bent to hug her and whisper in her ear again. You're right, though. The only way out is up. No matter how far these caves stretch sideways, if they don't lead upward anywhere, we're stuck here. She squeezed him, and they broke apart and both walked to the moss draft pool. While Smalls dipped their bowl, she made as if to stretch and test her renewing strength, but all the while stealing glances around the edge of the cavern. This was the way the dragon keeper had come and disappeared. Whether or not it was possible to escape by finding the way he had gone, she wanted to know how to get out of the cavern. Bending low and seeming seeming only to test her legs, she gazed along the dim walls, probing for any kind of break. But the cave walls were covered in moss, and the slick rock the slick rock wall breaking through in patches seemed impenetrable. She continued to scrutinize the stone. How do you feel? Smalls asked, handing her the moss draft bowl. She thanked him and drank deeply, returning the bowl as her eyes flitted back and forth from the pool to the wall. I cannot imagine feeling any better than I do. And you? 
the same. I'm not sure if, if it's that I've been hurt and on the verge of death for so long, or if it's true that I, in fact, feel better than ever. I think it must be true, Heather smiled up at him. Smalls grinned back. Let's go for a walk. He offered her his arm. She took it, and they walked away from the pool, making a slow circuit of the vast cavern. They avoided the smooth patches of dragon eggs, but otherwise explored every section of the cave. Heather felt along the smooth wall, then studied the support beams set against some cracking sections of the wall. Who put these here? The keeper? The crashing we heard, she said, nodding to the beams. Are these intended to keep the cavern from collapsing in and crushing all the eggs? Smalls frowned, running his hand along a wide crack in the wall. It looks like it. Those noises of the crashing rock must be other parts of the cavern crumbling in. Maybe it won't be long till this all comes down. That must be why he's so eager for his conference with the king. She nodded and they walked on. When they had reached the far side of the cavern, opposite the moss draft pool and the place where the dragon keeper had disappeared, Small stopped. I think we may speak more freely here. She looked around and nodded. I agree. But softly, my dear. He smiled, then whispered, How is your history, Heather? She looked up, thinking, Father was a... She looked up, thinking, Father was a historian and scholar, so we learned quite a lot. But I learned more at Cloud Mountain than Halfwind. We had missed much. Did you know about the dragons? Not really. The dragons seemed to belong to legend and not history to me. I wasn't sure they were real. I don't think Father believed them real. I think that might be... I think that might have been intentional. What do you mean? She asked quietly. Did you know about them? I think most scholars doubt their existence. Wilford told me that he thought they were real, but I had my doubts. I always got the sense that he believed many important connections to the past were cut off when my father was killed before I could ever speak to him. He lamented the disconnection and felt inadequate, I think, to give me what I needed. Dear Uncle Wilfred, I'm sure he did. But Wilfred remembered old Lord Booker saying, there was always something unusual about me, even as a baby. Father knew something, something too. He was so convinced that he gave me the green ember even before I was old enough to know my own name. Wilford was there. What did he see in you? Heather asked, but she thought she might somehow know. Or, if not really know in her mind, apprehend with her heart. Wilfred couldn't say, Smalls said, stroking his chin absently. 
only that father sometimes saw the way you sometimes see, Heather. Wilfred didn't understand it, like I don't understand it or experience it myself. But I experience you experiencing it, if that makes sense. And I trust it. So, Uncle Wilfred trusted King Jupiter to know, even though he didn't. Yes, Small said. It was the same with Lord Booker. It felt right to Wilfred to see me named Father's heir, even though I was too young to know much or really be known. But your father knew you. Or maybe he knew he wouldn't be around much longer. Garden was there as well. Wilfred said he didn't know at the time. But looking back, he thought the king had a premonition of his demise. What does this have to do with dragons? She asked, again peering hard at the slick and mossy wall, looking for any hint of a cleft that might mean a passage. It's one of the things I missed, one of the things Father would have shared with me. I'm sure he was the last king to come to Lander's dragon to him. I think that me missing that part of my training or my initiation to the throne had meant that something broke down here, something that would have been better left intact. His words reverberated with truth inside her. You're right, and that explains why we can't stay here. Do you remember anything else from Uncle Wilford's recollections? She scanned the wall slowly, looking for some small sign of a break in the slick stone. He told me what Father said when he gave me the green ember, and I have never forgotten it. Heather stopped scanning the stone and turned to face Smalls. What did he say? Smalls reached inside his shirt and produced the gem. The emerald signifying his position as heir to the throne hung from the end of its gold chain. Smalls ran his fingers over the contours on its back and the smooth-cut surface of its front. May this be a key for you in dark places and dark times. Heather's heart swelled at these words, and she turned back to resume her scanning of the rock wall while she thought about what they might mean. Reptilian eyes stared out at her. Chapter 27 Splitting Splitting and that's all for tonight, kiddos. I'm getting really tired. I'm going to start slowing down, way down, and you're going to be like, ah, oh, I can't even listen to this guy anymore. He's too tired and he can't even read. Go to bed, Daddy. Let's go to bed. So, we're 35 minutes in, and I just want to say again how much I love you guys. And not only just do I love you, but I'm so excited for your lives and what you're going to do with them. 
and what plans God has for each and every one of you. For you, Lil. For you, Garrison. For you, Chrissy Rowe. For you, Sonia Camille. And for you, Gideon Paul. God has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And to give you a hope and give you a future. And He made you special for all the plans and work He has for you. And it's going to be a super awesome, fun time helping you guys figure out what God made you to do and what plans He has for you. And you guys get to share that with each other. And all the adventure and the challenge and the hardship and the pain, but you guys know how to handle pain. All the stuff that comes with finding out what God made you to do and all the plans He has for you. So I love you guys and I'm really excited to be with you on your journeys in life. I won't be there for all of them, of course, but I am with you here on this first this first big chunk. And it seems really big right now, but it's really only a small piece. Think about Daddy. I left home when I was 18, and now I'm 45. So I've almost been away from home for, oh, well, let's just say 30 years. So... I've been away from home way longer than I was at home. So just think of it that way, you guys. You don't have a ton of time with Mommy and Daddy, nor do you have a ton of time with each other all together. Pretty soon, before you know it, you guys will kind of be going and doing different your different things outside of our house, maybe a long ways away from each other. So, like I was saying before, Enjoy it. Enjoy the time you have with each other. And treat each other with respect and with honor. And even when you think somebody doesn't deserve any respect or any honor, just treat them that way anyways. Treat them better than what they deserve. Because that's how God treats us. So, I just wanted to tell you that. I know I say I love you, and you guys tell me you love me, and that's great, but I just want to want you to know I'm really excited for what God has in store for each and every one of you, because it's going to be fun, it's going to be cool, it already is, and uh, it's going to be hard, and it's going to be painful sometimes, but um, we can we can all do it together and help each other out. I like the sound of that, and I just want you to know... I'm always here for you, and I'm praying for you, and uh, I'll, I will be here for you, and I love you. I'll go get some sleep. Unless it's 10 in the morning, then don't go back to bed. You got stuff to do. Get to work. But I'm going to bed. might call Mama here real quick, but I'm going to bed. Okay, kiddos. Love you. Catch you soon. Bye-bye.